Hello, everyone. It's Nicole again, and we're back on Real and Raw by Cole. So today's episode, I'm going to talk about mental health, depression, anxiety, and my suicide story. Um, I There was a website that I had posted my story on where you had the option of making it anonymous. Um, I wasn't ready to kind of go into detail about my story and share with everybody who it was. So I, of course, made it anonymous. I honestly do not remember the website. I did this, I think, last year. Um, I do post a lot about my depression and suicide issues um, on my social media, but I never really went into detail. So this episode, I'm going to give you detail by detail explanation of what I went through and kind of what I go through now and how I've overcame um, my mental health and how I'm still fighting as well. So take a deep breath because this is going to get very emotional and intense. Um, I would say seven years ago, I hung out with the wrong crowd. Um, You know, I thought I was cool. I was trying to fit in. My mother used to go visit my grandfather down the shore a lot. So, you know, I thought I was cool and I threw parties at my house all the time. And one time I just didn't want to throw a party and my so-called friends were trying to convince me um, to do it. And I was like, no, I don't want to get caught, whatever. I go to the movies with some other friends. They're texting me throughout the movie, like, oh, when are you coming home? Uh, what time does the movie end? And I'm not really thinking too much about it because I'm supposed to go hang out with them afterwards. So I was like, yeah, they're just trying to, you know, figure out our plans for the night. So long story short, I go home and I see that my door is wide open. My house is trashed. Um, it looks like there was a party going on. So at this time in my life, I was undergoing jaw reconstruction surgery. So at this time, my mouth was actually wired shut. Um, I had a really hard time talking. Um, I couldn't necessarily talk with your mouth closed. So it was very hard to understand me. And I was also going through a lot of physical pain. Um, Obviously, at that moment, I had to call the cops. So, you know, the cops came. It was really hard for me to speak to the cops because I couldn't speak correctly. And I was scared that they weren't going to be able to understand me. So, you know, I called my mom. I called my father. And long story short, we go through an investigation. We find out that it was these kids that I used to hang out with. And they actually threw a party while I was at the movie theater. They threw a two-hour party. A lot of people I know went to this party. Nobody bothered asking, like, where's the owner? Where's Nicole? Knowing that I live in the house. Nobody really cared. They just wanted to, you know, get fucked up and party. Um, and at that party, a few of these kids decided to go into my mother's room where all of our family jewelry is my mother's, you know, marriage ring, her, mine and my sister's baptism, um, and communion and confirmation jewelry, everything that was sentimental to our family was stolen, taken to a pawn shop and given money for, um, we were on trial with these kids for about a year going back and forth, trying to get justice. Um, obviously at the end of the day, Things didn't go in our favor, and all these kids got was a trespassing um, ticket. Now, I look back a few years later, these kids definitely got their karma. Um, I do believe in karma. Whether you believe in karma or not, I believe that things will come back to you. All of these kids went to jail for heroin and all these other random issues that they were going through. Um, During this time period... I would say a few months later, I was transitioning into transferring to Kane University and starting off dorming um, for the first time and getting that first college experience. 
Um, my mom was very devastated. She lost all of the jewelry she had left of her mother. And so my mom just wanted to resent me. And I don't blame her. She resented me for a very long time. She was telling me that, you know, I ruined her life. I make her miserable. And I already had self-esteem issues. So kind of hearing the person that means the most to you tell you that you're disappointing them, it, it hurts. You know, we we get our parents mad. We get our parents pissed. But the one thing that hurts the most is disappointing the people that are very close to us, including our parents. So as I was at Kane, um, I was kind of trying my hardest to push through. I was taking fitness classes. I was making new friends on campus. I was making new friends from home. Um, I kind of cut off everybody that was involved with those kids. Um, and even during that time, those kids kept making Twitter comments about me that, you know, when you have a new face, you have a new attitude. When you don't eat for a month and a half, you go crazy because at this time I was getting my jaw surgery. So I was getting extremely depressed. Then I would say about a year and a half later, I met who is now my first ex-boyfriend. Um, I met him for, I would say we knew each other for about two months before we got into a relationship. And you know, that honeymoon phase, everything seems so surreal. It just seemed too good to be true. And this was the first guy that ever wanted to take me serious. So I kind of just jumped at the opportunity. You know, I never had a boyfriend. I was like so excited about the idea and everything. Um, we didn't really get to know each other. We didn't get to know a lot about who we are as people and what we want in a relationship. It was kind of that stupid puppy love. So I went into that relationship with him, blinded by the fact that the both of us had completely different ideas of how a relationship should go. I believe that I could have friends of the opposite sex. And he believed that that was not possible at all. I believe that I was able to have friends that I hooked up with in the past when even there was no feelings involved. He didn't believe that at all. Um, our relationship got very, very unhealthy. Um, I felt trapped. I felt like I couldn't do anything anymore without being penalized. Um, he would go through my phone every single day and check to see whose Facebook I was searching who's like, look at all of my activity. And I was like going insane. I didn't know that this was not normal because this was my first relationship. So in my head, I'm just like, okay, I guess this is how relationships go. But I'm like, this is, this is insane. Like I felt like I was being controlled like crazy. Um, anytime I would talk to any guy friend, he had an issue with it. I was going on my, my, you know, Instagram, liking photos of my gay friends and he had a problem with it. I went out to go running with my friend one time and there was a girl and I came back. He swore I smelled like cologne. Um, he was putting his insecurities onto me and I was kind of blinded by it. Then it got very emotional and he would kind of make fun of my acne and, you know, make comments about how bad my acne is and how I should get it, you know, fixed and like figure it out. And if you know me and you follow my social media, you know that my acne is one of my biggest flaws and one of my biggest insecurities. So kind of the kid that I thought I loved um, kind of putting me down, it didn't seem like that was love. And all I knew was that. So I thought that that was love. And then it got physically abusive. You know, when you feel you're becoming so emotionally drained and you feel like someone's constantly attacking you and you also feel like you're stuck, 
you become somebody you never thought you would become because your tolerance gets so low and you just don't even know how to respond anymore. Like you feel like no matter which way you go and no matter how you respond, you're at a loss. So it got to the point where I would slap him across the face and he would slap me too. And I would push him um, and he would just push me off of him and I would knock my head into the dresser. There were times where he threw a watch I gave him at my head. There were times where I was so depressed, I would go into his kitchen and grab a knife and start cutting my wrist. And all I remember is every time I would do it, he would just grab my wrist so hard to get me to stop. And I started getting bruises on my wrist. At that time in my life, I looked at it like no guy should ever put his hands on me. I don't know who you think you are. Obviously, after years of more experience with relationships and more experience learning about myself and getting through my mental health, I learned that you should not put your hands on each other at all. You know, I shouldn't have put my hands on him and he shouldn't have put his hands on me. And also putting your depression onto someone takes a huge toll on that person. That person's constantly trying to figure out a way to help you, um, even when they feel like they, they are at a crossroad. So it was just to the point where it was just very unhealthy. I didn't know how to go through a breakup. I was too vulnerable, too insecure. I wasn't ready to just end the relationship because this is like the first time I thought I was being loved by somebody. So one time I went into my mother's bathroom. I took her bottle of Vicodin and I kept it in my purse at all times. And that was kind of stupid now that I look back because it was not prescribed to me. So God forbid a cop pulled me over, you know, I'm getting in trouble for that. Um, I would say a few days after that, I was too scared to take them. So I took a scissor and I cut my wrist. Um, and I wasn't doing it to try to commit suicide. I was doing it to just take that pain away. I'm just that way to get my anger out. So I took it and I cut myself really hard that I started bleeding excessively and I didn't realize what had happened until I called my father and I lied to my dad about what happened. I told him that I fell. Um, I didn't tell him that it was because I cut myself and I found out that I basically cut into my vein and that if I didn't get immediate help the way I did, I could have really hurt myself. So a few days after that, um, I was just really emotionally upset. So I naturally called my ex-boyfriend trying to talk to him and he was not answering his phone. Um, he used to work at Panera Bread and I used to go to his job just to, you know, do my homework, hang out, visit him, you know, whatever. So I was like, let me just go to his job, calm down, get some homework done. So I go to his job without having any idea if he's working or not. And his car is not there. So now I'm like, I'm so emotionally drained. My mother fucking hates me. This is what's going through my head. And my boyfriend's lying to me. He's probably cheating on me. I have no idea where he is. I'm stuck. So I sat in the parking lot and it was probably getting later on at night. It was going from like daylight to nighttime to sunset. I took that bottle of Vicodin out and I took one. And I wasn't taking it for any reason other than I just wanted to make the pain go away. And I just wanted to feel numb for just a little bit. So I took one and I'm like, this is not going to do anything for me. So I took another one and I'm like, this is also not going to do anything for me. I'm just going to feel drowsy. So I took another one. 
And then I was like, nope, this is not enough. I didn't know when to stop. So altogether, I took five. I took five Vicodins. Um, now, if you know Vicodin, it's basically similar to Oxycontin, Percocets. It's like a Xanax, any prescribed pain pill. This is not something that you take five of in a row. And if you know me, I'm very small and I'm very skinny. So my body can definitely not handle that much without something bad happening. So at that moment, I started noticing my eyes were closing. I was crying hysterical. I felt like it was over. And I had multiple people kind of pass me by. They didn't see the bottle, but they passed me by like, are you okay? Because they saw me crying. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to look for help. So I sat there for 10 minutes, letting my my eyes open and close, open and close, trying to force myself to keep them open. But at the same time, in my head, I'm like, fuck it. If they close, they close. And I don't know where a light just hit me. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to die. You know, you go through this phase where you, if you go through depression, you go through this phase where you think about it. What if I did cut myself? What if I just committed suicide? What if I did just overdose? What if I just put myself in front of a train or in front of a car? But you don't feel that pain until you actually are in front of that train ready to jump. You're there with the scissor or the knife ready to cut through yourself. You're there with those pills ready to overdose on them. You don't think at that moment how you're feeling until you actually get into that moment. And it's kind of a legitimate life or death decision. This isn't one of those analogies where it's, all right, it's life or death. This really is life or death. So I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to do this. I was scared. I was so fucking scared. I was like, I have so much of my life to live. What am I doing? So I called my dad. My dad picked me up from Panera and I told him everything and he took me to the hospital. Um, I went to the hospital. I felt so drowsy. I was trying my hardest to keep my eyes open because I felt like if I closed my eyes, that would be it. So my dad took me. I went into a room Um, I had a nurse talk to me. They gave me fluids. Honestly, I cannot remember specifically what they did. This was literally, I would say, six years ago, six, five years ago. So, no, I'm sorry, this was five. So, like, I really cannot remember what happened at the hospital. All I remember is my ex boyfriend at the boyfriend at the time coming to the hospital, crying, looking at me and crying, and then the nurse tell me that if I kept my eyes closed for a whole, like, I would say hour, I would be dead. And at that time, I was also taking antidepressants. Um, I hated them. My sex drive was completely low. I felt like a vegetable. And if you know me, you know, I'm very hyper. I'm very outgoing. I'm very social. And I always want to be doing something. And I did not feel like myself. So when I was in the hospital and they told me that I had the choice, continue to get help with medication and keeping myself in the same scenario or get help with the way I want to get help. And I chose the way that I want. I was sick of being medicated. I've been medicated for so many years for ADHD, bipolar, insomnia. I'm like tired of being medicated. I wanted to help myself mentally get back to loving myself. So a week later, my ex-boyfriend broke up with me. I found out he was cheating on me throughout majority of the relationship. He left me for another girl. Um, 
I was broken. I didn't even know what to do. I just tried committing suicide a week ago. My boyfriend, the only guy I thought loved me in this world and what I thought love was just left me. My mother still couldn't stand me. I was just stuck. I was like, I don't even know what to do with my life anymore. I feel like no matter which way I go, I'm, I'm done. Like there's no winning on my end. I felt like there was always something getting thrown my way. So I gave myself about a week and a half to two weeks to cry it out. It was my first breakup. I did not know how to handle it. I had no idea what to do. So I cried it out for two weeks. And then I was with my friends every single day, every single day. Um, I didn't know how to emotionally depend on myself. So every single day I was with people trying to keep myself busy, trying to get myself to not cry all the time. And I would say it took me six months to really accept the breakup and then a whole year to really understand that this kid's never coming back into my life. During that year, I stopped taking my antidepressants. I didn't even go to a psychologist. I didn't go to a psychiatrist either. I smoked a lot of weed. I hung out with the right people, people that were making me feel better. And I started putting myself back out there. I started learning about things that I like. Um, EDM was one of them. EDM was the best, one of the best things to ever happen to my life. Um, I will talk about that in another podcast episode. Um, I started really focusing on my schoolwork. I started helping my acne out, started fixing my hair up, making myself feel better. Um, I still at the time was talking to other men, sleeping with other men, kind of trying to fill that void. Like I just want that affection and love from somebody. Um, obviously, over due time, you realize that that's not how you fill that, uh, that void. You cannot fill a void by another person, especially a partner or sex. You fill it by yourself by your own love for yourself. So I, when I transferred to Kane, um, I went through, how do I explain this? A phase of not, ha not feeling like I knew what I was doing with my life. So when all this was happening, I kind of started working out a lot again. I was just transitioning. And the reason why I did not want to take any medication is because, in my opinion, I feel like medication just masks what the actual issue is. I personally believe that depression is all in your head. It's all how you feel about yourself, how you handle your life, how you feel your life is being handled, how you feel people are approaching you and um, talking to you and how they're responding to you. It's all in your head. It's psychological. And I feel like if you're going to consistently take pills over and over again, are you really fixing the problem or are you only depending on a medication to make you feel better? Because I'll take these pills for a year and then I get off of them. Do I love myself again? Am I really feeling better? Do I care what people think? You're really masking the problem. And this is how I see it. So for me, I didn't want to take medication. I wanted to be able to mentally push myself to the limit so I can learn to love myself and not feel that huge depression, not feel that suicide, that suicide attempt, not ever want to get back to that place again. So I tried my hardest and I really could look back and say, I have come so far. It has been about five years now and I have not tried committing suicide. I will say 
I have cut myself a few times within the past three years. But what I will tell you is that I don't know, and I don't have the answer for this. I'm not a doctor. I'm only basing what I'm saying off my experience. I don't know if depression is ever really curable. Sometimes I like to believe that maybe you just learn to cope with it. You will have your bad days. You know, I never felt like I wanted to try to kill myself since. But I also felt like defeated that I wanted to just hurt myself for a little bit. Not to kill myself, just to get that pain away. And sometimes I break. Sometimes I go through this phase where it's like, I love myself so much. I've come so far. I know what I deserve. And then there's other days where I feel, again, defeated. So I still question, you know, does depression really go away or just do you learn to cope with it? I kind of compare it to losing somebody very close to you. Do you really get over it or you just learn to cope with it? Um, feel free as you're listening to this to send me messages and tell me your input on that because I would love to know how you guys feel about it. Um, then I eventually went into another relationship. I'm not going to get into that because it's fairly new. Um, this breakup is fairly new. But what I will tell you is me and my most recent ex, we did go through um, our first breakup a few months ago in last July. So it's been a year. Sorry. During that time period, I realized that I am constantly emotionally depending on people. I don't know how to depend on myself. I'm constantly, every time I'm upset, I'm looking um, to another person, whether it's a guy, it's my family, it's mainly my friends. I'm constantly looking towards my friends. Every single time I'm upset, I go to my friends. I go hang out with people. I'm not home. And while that's okay, your friends are there to push you and help you feel better. But it's also crucial to figure out how to make yourself feel better. To be able to stay home on a day that you feel like shit and make yourself feel better. That you don't have to call your friends. You don't have to go ask a guy to come keep you company. You know how to do it on your own. And I feel like that is so important to understand. And so I always knew I just not, did not know how to handle it. So when we were going through this small breakup we had, I cut off everyone, my family, my friends. And it wasn't permanent. It was just for the time being. I needed to learn how to make myself feel better, not go through this breakup with my friends every single day. I needed to be able to sit at home and cry it out and just watch TV and feel better. Because at the end of the day, 10 years from now, these friends of yours are not going to be able to be at your foot at every second. Everybody's going to move on with their lives. Go, whether it's have a career, move to another state, go into a new relationship, get married, you know, have a child, maybe pass away. Your friends are not going to be there at every single step of every single part of your life. You need to learn how to take care of yourself. So during this time period, I cried every single day. Every single day I cried. I had anxiety every single day. I literally pushed it. I was like, I'm not calling my friends. I'm not calling my friends. I'm not doing it. I know I want to, but I won't do it. I won't call my mom. I won't call my sister. I won't call my friends to come over. I won't call another guy to take me out and make me feel better about myself. So for an entire month, I was by myself and I pushed myself. And at this time in my life, I was also moving into my own apartment and I have a roommate. So that was the best thing I ever did. 
I learned how to just be able to come home from work, have a glass of wine, smoke some hookah, watch some TV, be able to just go out and go for a walk, be able to just go do some errands, do some laundry, go do some shopping for my apartment and not feel like I want to cry at every second of the day. It It's crazy how when you push yourself farther than you think you could ever push yourself, you learn so much. And right before me and my recent ex had gone through our first breakup, he looked at me and said, Nicole, you need hobbies. Like you need to not want to be with me all the time. You need to do something, something that you enjoy, you know, give yourself company. You're always wanting to be with me. And when you're alone, you're doing nothing. You get bored and then you want to talk to me and I have a life. And that hit me. So before we broke up, I contacted people and I started shuffling. You know, I was shuffling for the past few years. Well, I thought I was shuffling. I thought I knew what I was doing, but I clearly did not. But I never really pursued anything more than just the few steps that I knew. So I went to a shuffle meetup, met up with people I've never seen in my life. And it was the best decision I could have ever made. Because today, that is the one thing that helps me feel better dancing. I've always loved to dance. I was a cheerleader my whole life, but shuffling relates to my one love for EDM. And so there are days when I'm upset and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to learn some new shuffle moves. I'm going to practice my shuffling and I will sit there with my favorite music and I will shuffle. And on top of that, those kids that I met, those friends I made, probably the most genuine people I have ever met in my life. And I really hope that those are going to be lifelong friends. I, like I said, will go into more detail about my EDM lifestyle and how it's impacted me. But the bigger picture I'm trying to make here is that you need to learn how to be on your own and be by yourself. One, before anybody could love you, but also for yourself. I find that to be one of the most crucial things to learn when you're trying to get through depression, trying to get through anxiety, even anxiety. I was having constant anxiety attacks and I had my ex-boyfriend usually calm me down, but I didn't have him at that time when we were broken up. I had myself and I wasn't going to have my friends sit there every single time I had an anxiety attack and try to calm me down. So you know what I started doing? Yoga. I started doing yoga and I didn't do it for any reason other than to help me learn my to, to better my breathing, give me better breathing techniques. And it helped so much. Anytime I do have anxiety, I, you know, I will have an anxiety attack for a lot shorter than I used to. And I don't need somebody literally sitting there telling me, calm down, calm down, calm down. I put it in my head. How did I breathe when I did yoga? What are those breathing techniques? And I sit there. Sometimes we feel like we can't do what we want to do. But if you put your mind to it, and this is so cliche, but it is so true. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. And right before me and my most recent ex went through our first breakup too, I realized that I was having so many insecurity issues that I wanted help. You know, I went to a psychologist years ago. I went to a psychiatrist years ago, but I went to those doctors because my mom wanted me to go. My mom was telling them what I was doing. I didn't feel I could open up to them. I didn't feel comfortable talking to either one of them. I felt like I was being judged based off of what my mom was telling them. I felt like when I spoke to the psychologist, I was just being judged in general. 
And it kind of discouraged me. And I noticed this happens with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people messaging me all the time, you know, talking about psychologists. And it makes me realize there are psychologists that will make you feel like you're doing something very wrong. They will make, they will give off that judgy impression, whether they're doing it or not. We feel that way. And once we get that one doctor that does that, we start to feel very discouraged. We don't want to go to another doctor. We start feeling like we're never going to find a doctor that will help us. And you start feeling defeated again. And it took me about five years to go to a new doctor. But you know what the difference here was? Not only did I just start Googling doctors by me and looking at reviews, but I did this on my own. I didn't have a single person telling me you should go see a doctor. I didn't have my mom telling me, my boyfriend at the time telling me, my friends telling me. No one told me to do this. I did it because I wanted to. And that was so liberating to know that I wanted to go get help and nobody was trying to push me to get it. I wanted to do it. So I wanted to go try another doctor out. And guess what? If I didn't like that doctor, I wasn't going to give up. I was going to go try another doctor because I knew deep down I needed to change my life because I couldn't keep living the way I was living. So I didn't tell anybody about this. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my dad, my sister, my friends. The only person I had told was my boyfriend at the time. And he was very supportive of it. Eventually, my mother found out because I am on her insurance still. And my mom was worried. She thought that I was going to try. I, I wanted to go because I was going to try to kill myself again. And I was like, no, I just want to talk to someone. I just want to get all of these, these feelings I have out and just vent. And I also want a professional to be able to give me tips on how I could handle my life differently and make me love myself or not make me love myself, but make me realize why I should love myself. Help me realize that. So I started going to who I am with now. I go once a week, every Thursday. And although I can't sit here and say that he's done a 180 on my life and he is the reason why I am where I am, but I will tell you, he constantly sheds some light on me on why I need to love myself, why the reasons why I should love myself, ways that I could go about handling situations differently. He'll tell me when I'm wrong and, or when, I, when he feels like I could do something a different way. He tries to get me to be open-minded and look at things in a different perspective. And what I love about this doctor is that when he asks me a question and I say, I don't know, or I say, I can't, I can't think about it. Like, I really don't know. I can't come up with an answer right away. He always says, you do know. Yes, you know. You need to think deep and hard about it. You need to stop thinking that you don't know because you do know. Either you don't want to admit what it really is and you don't want to admit the truth to yourself or you're not really thinking. And he makes me seriously analyze my life. Something that we tend not to do because when we feel like we need to start reflecting a lot and analyzing and thinking deeper into ourselves, we get very scared. We get scared because we're scared of what the truth is. We're scared of what we really feel deep down. So we try to mask it and say, I don't know. I don't know. But you do know you're just too afraid to say it. And it, it makes me feel so much better that I get to now analyze my life so much. Can I say it's the best all the time? No, because there are times where I start to overthink like crazy. However, when you start pushing yourself to think further than you think you can, and you start looking at things in a different way than you're so used to, you start thinking and learning in ways you never thought you could. And it, it really baffles me. It, it's just crazy how your mind is what controls your life. 
And if you have control over your mind, you will have control over your life. You just need to take a step back and figure out what it is that you want to change about your life. And you need to take that step. You need to go to a doctor. You need to not get discouraged when this doctor didn't work. If you want to go try taking medication, go for it. There are different types you could take. If one doesn't work, try another. And if that approach doesn't help you, that's fine. Do something else. Go look at things that you want. Go find hobbies. Go learn about new things that you want to try. That one thing you said, I always want to do this. I just, you never pushed yourself to do it. Go do it. Get out of your comfort zone. I realize that the more I get out of my comfort zone, the more I start to love myself. Because you feel stagnant when you're not. You feel like you're just used to the same routine over and over. Going to work, going to school, having the same friends, going to the gym, and just doing the same thing over and over. That you feel like you're not progressing. You feel like there's nothing else to love about yourself except what you're so used to. So when you start getting out of your comfort zone and you start doing more and you start learning more and you start trying new things out, you may find things that you're good at that you didn't even know you're good at. You may find things that you didn't realize you would ever start to like. You may meet people that you never thought you would meet. You may run, you might run into people that will change your life. You never know until you try. So do I think that depression is seriously under underrated and underestimated? Absolutely. I feel like people don't take it as serious as they should um, because I think that a lot of people tend to have the stereotype that you're looking for attention. And a lot of people have the stereotype that you're selfish and that you're not thinking about the people that you love. But do you know what's going through their head? Do you know how defeated they feel? Do you know how lost they feel, how they feel like there's nowhere else they could go? At that moment, they're not thinking about their family. They're thinking about their mental health. They feel like they, they literally can't do anything. They lost hope in themselves. That should be more important to understand that there's people around you that feel like they're losing hope in themselves. And if you ever felt that way, if you ever went through depression, if you ever been through suicide attempts, of hurting yourself, of anxiety, you would understand how hopeless people tend to feel. So you turn around and you start being nice to others because guess what? A lot of the people who try to commit suicide are people you didn't even know were depressed. Everybody knows me as this really hyper, loud, obnoxious, outgoing, happy person. But no one knows deep down the things that I have been through. Nobody knows that I am. There's been times where I felt so depressed I wanted to kill myself. You would never know because people hide it. People are too afraid to speak up about it because of that stereotype. And that. This entire story is exactly why I am so nice to people. I am so genuine to others. And I was not always like that. But when you start experiencing situations like this and near life experiences, you start to understand that tomorrow is never promised, number one. And number two, you have no idea what someone else is going through. You could turn to a stranger tomorrow and say, wow, I like your shirt. You could hit somebody up on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat that you never even have conversations with. But you hit them up because you like their picture or because they posted something saying they're upset and you want them to feel better. You could do all of these things. And you know what? It may help them. And you may save a life. That one person could have wanted to kill themselves today. They could have been on their way to go to a bridge and jump off of it. But your wise words, you telling them you like their shirt or you like their hair or you think they're pretty or you're telling them, I hope you feel better. That might trick her. And might put a light on for them. 
and you could be saving their life and you don't even know it. There are so many people in my life that have helped me without realizing how much they've helped me. Believe it. So be nice to everybody around you. Even when they're being mean to you, don't ever wish somebody death. Don't ever make fun of people. Don't. Because you don't know if that person has been made fun of their whole life. And that one comment you made could have set them off. And you're going to live with the guilt for the rest of your life. You could save so many people. You just need to be kinder. You need to start understanding that mental health is extremely important. And there's people dropping like flies around here, at least where I'm from. I went to a wake in October for somebody my age that I grew up with. And and you should not be in a casket that young. Your parents should not be burying you. So you appreciate the people around you. You don't take them for granted. You do it because tomorrow is never promised. It wasn't promised for me. It wasn't promised for the kids wake that I went to. It wasn't promised for all the kids I know that have passed away for a million different reasons. It wasn't promised for the girl that jumped off the bridge. It wasn't promised for the guy that got hit by a drunk driver. It wasn't promised for me when I got into a severe car accident and almost died. Tomorrow is not promised for anybody. So you push yourself to live the best life that you can and you push others to live the best life that they can. And you need to learn to be kind always because it will make you feel so much better about yourself and it may save a life. I hope you guys enjoyed my episode. Um, You guys can follow me on my Instagram, which is at L-O-C-A-S-C-I-N. Again, at L-O-C-A-S-C-I-N. Or you could find me on Facebook, Nicole, N-I-C-H-O-L-E. Or you could find me on Snapchat, which is also the same as my Instagram name, at L-O-C-A-S-C-I-N. So it's time to pull out now because it's been real raw.